during the last several weeks, we've begun talking about five functions of a healthy church. As my wife and I have been around the world, literally, we've been in many churches, and we've seen common characteristics that are in churches that are functioning the way that God designed. In the first week, we talked about the function of community, when you know each other and are known by each other. It's like you begin to grow together. And as you grow together as a body of believers, it's like God takes that and he can leverage it. So when you grow together, it creates a lever that God can leverage to introduce people to God. In week two, we talked about the key function of prayer and how that we have a God, we serve a God who is aware, who is active, and who is waiting to be invited into our circumstances to do the things that only he can do. And our responsibility is to identify our needs before God, to recognize we don't have the ability, and to invite him in to our circumstances. And thirdly, we talked last week about study and how God uses his word to shape his people to build his kingdom. And that as we engage his word, as we learn to handle it, as we pursue it, as we call upon the Lord, then we'll be ready to make a difference in the lives of people as we become teachers. But not in the way that we think of of talking so much, but we can teach and we can lean in and we can really make a difference. This morning we're going to talk about the essential function of worship. We're going to talk about worship. Now several years ago um, we were in an airport in northern Thailand. It's a city called Chiang Mai. A lot of um, Westerners, we call ourselves foreigners over there, like to go there for vacation. So we were there for several months uh, when our daughter Emily was born. And while we were there, I, don't, I can't remember specifically who we were there to pick up, but we were there at the Chiang Mai International Airport. And it is not an imposing site. It's literally one level. It, it goes from end to end, not, not very long at all. There's an international and a domestic um, terminal that are literally adjacent to one another. And as we were there waiting for a passenger... I was waiting in line, and there wasn't much of a barrier between who's coming through the gates. But I began to notice as I looked around outside as I was coming in, there was a long line of cars lining up. And there was a whole lot of people starting to pack the domestic terminal for for arrivals. And I couldn't figure out why, because it seemed a little bit above the norm. And so I'm standing there, you know, just with these rails between me and the passengers coming out. And I was surprised to see some, some, some um, female, blonde hair, maybe, maybe 60s, start to walk out. And she seemed very prominent. She had an entourage with her. And as I, I did a, a double take, I realized it was actually Joyce Meyer. And so I'm standing there in the Chiang Mai International Airport, and Joyce Meyer comes walking out with her entourage and walks around and is greeted by the dignitaries. I'm sure she was there to do a conference in the city. And then they walked her out to her car. And then they, they whisked her on her way. But I had no idea that I was about to meet somebody who was, who was a somebody. And just right there with no barriers at all. And you know, when you, when you bump into a celebrity like that, you never know exactly how you're going to respond. Now, thankfully, I didn't actually have to interact with her because I probably would have fumbled over myself. One other story I was thinking is um, I was actually in the Miami International Airport several years ago after I'd gotten back from a mission trip. And there was a, an NBA player there. And I, I recognized him. He had played at the University of Michigan. He wasn't super well-known. His name was Glenn Rice. He became kind of a star. Not a superstar, but he was a contributor for a number of years, played on some good teams. And I just happened to catch him out of the corner of my eye. And, and this time I did embarrass myself because he saw me looking at him. And he knew he, he knew he'd been seen. And I, and I could tell that he was just afraid that I was going to approach him. You know, he was just probably coming home. He had a knee brace on. He had been, been through some surgery, and he was concerned that I was going to come up and, and bother him. Well, I, I didn't, but, you know, I had embarrassed myself. All, I was ratted out. 
because I, I had made eye contact, and, and I, had the, I know I had that look, like, oh, you're somebody important. <laughs> so when we encounter important people, you just never know how you're going to respond, do you? You can't predict how you're going to respond. Can you think of a time when you met somebody important, when you met maybe a, a, an official, when you met somebody and it just surprised you and you couldn't control your response and you felt maybe it was a band that you liked when you were young? I know some of y'all have been around and, and seen some music shows and, and you just never can predict how you're going to respond. Well, this morning we're going to talk about a man who actually had the opportunity to be in the presence of God and we're going to see how he responded to that. Today we're going to talk about the prophet Isaiah. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Now we don't know a tremendous amount about Isaiah, but it's possible he grew up in an aristocratic family. His family was of means. He was groomed to be in the office that he held, which was the office of prophet, basically the one who would speak for God in the nation of Israel. So he had been preparing for this function, and then in chapter 6 we're going to see that God chose to reveal himself to Isaiah and how Isaiah responded. So chapter 6, verse 1, beginning. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty." Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. So in verses 1 through 4 we see a few things. You know, Isaiah for whatever reason, you know, he's been pursuing God, he's been preparing to serve God, but God chooses to reveal himself in a vision to Isaiah. And he sees the Lord high and exalted, and the train of his robe fills the temple. And we see also here in verse 2 that there are seraphs, and that they are serving the Lord, they're responding to God. And we see that the entire environment is affected. The doorposts and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. And they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Now, can you imagine being in this situation like Isaiah was in this situation? How would you be impacted? You know, I talked about being impressed by celebrities that I'd bumped into by chance. But in the presence of Almighty God in this situation, how would you have responded? Well, Isaiah's first response to being in the presence of the Lord is found in verse 5. He says, Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So Isaiah's first response is what? I'm unworthy. I'm in the presence of perfection. I'm in the presence of Almighty God, and I am unworthy. Who am I? 
to be in the presence of God. So when we encounter God, it's like the truth of who we are and who he is hits us. And then verse 6, Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. So Isaiah, before a holy God, is unclean. He's unworthy. And there's nothing that he can do about it. There's nothing that he can do about it. Atonement must be provided for him. There's something about him in the presence of a holy God. He's unclean, and he needs God to do something for him that he cannot do for himself. And so atonement is provided by a live coal that touches his lips. And then, as the angel announces, your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Then verse 8, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. So when Isaiah is in the presence of Almighty God, there's a a response that I think today is going to be typical of your and my response. First of all, he says, I'm unworthy. I'm unclean. When I see God and I see him perfect, he's right and I'm not right. And then you begin to realize when you're in the presence of God that there's, you can't fix it. You can't make yourself clean. You can't make yourself right. You need God to do something for you that you cannot do for yourself. And then God invites a response. He says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And now Isaiah's prepared to respond, isn't he? And he responds, here am I, send me. So what about you? Has God made an impression on you in your life? Has God made an impression on you? Have you been in the presence of God and he's made an impression on you? And it it happens in three ways, the same way that it happened with Isaiah. First of all, when you encounter God, you have the, the impression, I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. Have you ever showed up for an an occasion underdressed? Can you think of one? I could think of one. I showed up for a wedding one time and I wasn't wearing the proper clothing and I wasn't prepared and it embarrassed, I was very embarrassed when I realized that I was underdressed. Has that ever happened to you? But can you imagine what it was like for Isaiah to be in the presence of a holy God and to feel unworthy? Have you ever felt that way? When you think about God, when you're reading his word, when you encounter him and you realize he is perfect, he is righteous, and I'm not. Have you ever felt unworthy? Secondly, we realize I need a covering. I need a covering. Going back to the story of Adam and Eve, you remember what happened in this story? Are you familiar with it? They sinned against God. They trusted the enemy. They, they believed that God, that, that God was untrustworthy. And then what happened? They went into hiding, right? They went and hid from God. And what did they do? They took fig leaves to cover themselves up, to cover up their nakedness. They felt ashamed. They felt embarrassed. They wanted to hide from God. They realized that something was not right, and they tried to cover it up. They tried to cover it up. So when you encounter God in the way that Isaiah encountered God, you're going to feel not only unworthy, but that you need a covering. You need 
something to be done for you that you cannot do for yourself? And then thirdly, have you been inspired to respond? So has God made an impression on you? You say, I am worthy. I'm unworthy. I need a covering. And then you're inspired to respond. So how do, how do, when someone, think about a time in your life when you needed help. A time in your life when there was something that you needed done for you. When you're a child, right? It's so common that you need somebody to help you. You can't walk. Or maybe you're in a situation in your life right now where you need help and you need somebody to do something for you that you can't do for yourself. And, and when, when somebody serves you in that way, when somebody helps you, when somebody takes your hand, when somebody provides something that you need, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? You'll be inspired to respond. Not out of, so when God you know, takes away your unworthiness, like he did for Isaiah, when he takes away your uncleanness, then when he asks you to respond to him, you're not gonna. You're gonna want to respond, aren't you? You're gonna want to respond to God, and not out of fear, not because you're afraid. Look, look at I mean Isaiah had lots of reasons to be afraid, and he was. But when God removed his impurity, when God made him worthy, then his response was out of gratitude. It was out of reverence. It was not out of fear. You know, it's like when we encounter God, we become aware of the truth. Romans chapter 11, verse 36 says, For from him and through him and to him are all things, to him be the glory forever. For from him are all things, for through him are all things, and to him are all things. And you know, when I was young, I didn't get this. You know, I grew up in church and God was very familiar to me. The stories of scripture were very familiar to me. And then when I became a teenager, they, they still seemed familiar, but it wasn't personal for me. I didn't believe that God's story was my story yet. And so I started living, I was living my life, I was pursuing my things, I was going to school, I, I was get, working on, you know, seeing what was next for me. But it hadn't yet hit me that it's all about God. It's all about God. My life my existence, my past, my present, my future, it's all about him. And so in the way that it hit Isaiah, finally when I was a late, in my late teens, early 20s, it hit me. And I began to live my life for God. And I began to make him my ultimate reference point. But I had to come to a point where I realized that I was unworthy before a holy God, that I needed a covering, and I found forgiveness. And then it inspired me to respond, not out of fear, not out of, I'm, I, need to, I need to get fire insurance, you know. I need to avoid punishment. But I began to realize that it's all about him. When I encountered God, when he revealed himself to me, then I was ready to respond. And each day I find myself in a similar position. And, and it's a discipline. You have to enter into the presence of God through his word. You have to enter into the presence of God through, through fellowship. You have to enter into the presence of God, and then you're reminded of who you are, of what he's done, and then you're inspired to respond. So here's a few questions for you today. First question is, have you encountered him? Have you encountered God the way that Isaiah encountered God? Have you realized that it's all about him? 
And then the second question is, have you realized? Have you realized who God is? This holy God that Isaiah encountered and in in, in that in my life I have encountered. Have you encountered him? Have you realized who he is? Have you realized what God has done for you? You know, the thing that you couldn't do for yourself, take away your sin, take away your guilt, God's done it for you. He sent his son Jesus to pay the price for your sin and my sin. Have you realized who God is and what he's done for you? And are you ready to respond? Has he taken you through the process? Has he taken you to a place where you're ready to respond to him like Isaiah was ready to respond? So how is God asking you to respond to him today? Is he asking you to take a step toward salvation? Is he asking you to take a step toward salvation? Have you gone through this process of encountering God and being prepared to respond to him? And knowing that Jesus has paid the price for your sin and that you can come today and you can be made new and we can baptize you and welcome you into the, into the body of Christ. Is God asking you to take a step today toward community? Are you, are you the person who you feel a little bit withdrawn? You're not really ready to engage the body of Christ? You kind of want to keep it to yourself, keep it close to the vest and just keep your head down and, and go it on your own and just make it through another day, make it through another week? Maybe God's asking you to take a step toward community of opening up just a little bit and engaging the body here so that he can prepare you and he can prepare us to be on mission with him. Maybe God's asking you to take a step in prayer. Maybe you, maybe you don't even really believe that, that it's all about God yet and that he's capable of addressing your needs. Maybe he's asking you to take a step in prayer and identify your needs recognize that you're not able and invite him in to do what only he can do. Maybe God's asking you to take a step today towards study. You know, we talked last week about the Word of God and what a powerful place it plays in our lives. Are you, is he asking you to take a step to maybe just read the Word of God? Is he asking you to take a step to seek to understand it? Maybe, maybe you can seek some counsel from someone who can coach you. Or maybe he's asking you to take a step toward study and obeying and applying the Word of God? Or is God asking you to take a step toward serving? You know, each one of us in the body of Christ, God's given us a gift. He's given us a way to contribute to, to building His kingdom and to growing His church and to reaching out to the community. Are you aware of yours? Do you know what is that thing that God's gifted you to do? And many people this morning have been using their gifts and I, I know I'm better for it. So maybe God's asking you to take a step towards serving today. So what if, what if we really sought to encounter God on a daily basis, on a weekly basis? What if we engaged? What if, what if we begged God and asked God to reveal himself to us in a powerful way so that we would recognize who we are and that we're unworthy, so that we would realize that the thing that we couldn't do for ourselves, he already did. He provided forgiveness. And so that we would be conditioned and we would be ready to respond to him in the ways that he's asking. What if we took opportunities to grow together as a body and we spent those, spe those special times like we've spent recently, the, the tea on Friday when our, our church family got together and served a hurting family. And, you know, I came, came by on Friday afternoon 
and uh, we, we got a chance to eat together and, and encourage, but then we also, we laughed a little bit, you know, we, we told some stories, we picked at Eva, that's always a fun thing to do. What if we were willing to grow together? It's okay, dear, they'll tell you later. We took opportunities to grow together. What if we were to invite God into our circumstances? If you and I together were to identify our needs and say, we need help, we need, and we were to c- converge on prayer needs together and beg God to do what only he can do, then we would, we would get to see him work and we would be emboldened to move forward. What if we were allow, to allow God to use his word to shape us? You know, like we're doing this morning, but do it in, in immersion or do it in Bible study together. If, we're, if we are seeking God through his word and he's shaping us and preparing us, then you're beginning to see how we could move not just toward being a healthy church, but an impactful church. You know, if we're experiencing community, if we're praying together, if we're studying together, and then, because that's, that's where this is all leading, you know, All of these steps that we're taking, that we're putting into place, it's leading us to be ready to worship. And worship simply is responding to who God is. So what if that prepares us to respond to God? And if we're doing these things, it's almost like the picture of God becomes a little bit clearer. You know, if you imagine a picture of God on the wall, it's funny we don't have one. You know, all over the world, people have pictures of their gods. We don't have one. But if you were to imagine what God looks like, it's like if we're engaging in these functions of a healthy church, the picture of God becomes a little bit clearer. We begin to understand who he is, what he's done, and we begin to realize the truth hits us that it's all about him and it's not about us. Now, when we're experiencing God, you know, because it's not about knowing God, it's not about hearing about God, it's about encountering him, experiencing God. So that he prepares us to respond to him. And that's my prayer for our church. That we would be taking steps each day individually and as a body. So that we'll be prepared to respond to him when he moves us. And if we're engaging in these functions, I believe that we're going to be ready. I believe that we're going to be ready to do the things that he's calling us to do. Pray with me. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you how you um, revealed yourself to Isaiah in such a compelling way, God, that, that he realized that he was unclean before you, that he realized that he needed you to provide atonement for him, and that it prepared his heart, Lord, to respond to you, not out of fear, but out of reverence and gratitude. And God, I pray each day as we come to you, each day as we seek you and ask you to lead us, God, that we would be open, that we would be willing to respond to you, Lord because of who you are and what you've done, that we would realize, God, that it's all about you and that it's not about us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.